Welcome back to the Global Surgery Series on ENT in a nutshell. This is part two of our conversation with Dr. Sykes and Dr. Tollefson on research within global surgery. It's been really fascinating to listen to both of you just bounce ideas and perspectives off of each other on um, research outcomes and how you make those meaningful for patients. I wanted to ask about kind of on a smaller scale, how can you fit quality improvement into global surgery work given the cyclical PDSA nature that we learn about? Are there standard evaluation tools that can help with this? Yeah, I'll jump on this one first, if that's all right. I think um, it's a great question. I think it's really important for people not to check their QI mindset with their luggage and only pick it up when they return home. I think you have to come take that with you and you have to say everything can be improved. Even the things that we're providing at no cost or low cost to patients can be improved and can be better. And I think good intentions, as I said, are not enough anymore. And we have to really for, for ethical reasons, ensure that we're doing the best possible thing we can for these patients. And um, there's a paper that was published back in 2008 by Jessie Mackey and her colleagues at Harvard when she was a medical student um, they published a paper which includes kind of a pretty comprehensive self-evaluation tool. And honestly, most of the publications that cite her work don't typically refer to that tool. And having used that tool, they, they've chosen to latch on to this $250 million number that, that they assign to how much effort is spent, uh, how much money is spent on these efforts annually. But I've seen it employed a few times by a few groups, and it really is, I think, a good start. One of the interesting developments of the last few years is that has been this call for standards around these trips. There are a number of coalitions and organizations that are establishing and endorsing these standards. Uh, the advocacy for global health partnerships, and and I don't know if Travis, you've heard about this, but. They, it's a coalition of representatives from a bunch of different areas and a bunch of different programs and and different components of short-term global health engagements. But these individuals have kind of come together and collaboratively developed this declaration that they call the, I'm probably going to butcher it, but the Brochure Deca Declaration, B-R-O-C-H-E-R. And it includes these six key elements, mutual partnership with bi-directional input and learning, empowered host community and country defining needs and activities, sustainable programs and capacity building, compliance with applicable laws, ethical standards and code of conduct, humility, cultural sensitivity, and respect for all involved. And then finally, accountability for actions. And I think that accountability for actions component is really where you hit this quality improvement component and you say, are we really doing what we said we wanted to do? And we need to be measuring to make sure that we're doing that as often as possible. Complications happen, especially in surgery, but minimizing those complications and finding ways to analyze that critically is super important. See, you always should agree to sit and be someone to be interviewed because then you walk away with more things that you get to look into than you came with. So thanks for talking about those aspects. I mean, each of those six things you just stated is, can you imagine sitting in that room and uh, having a discussion? It probably was a virtual room unless... It was a virtual room. It was meant to be in Switzerland, but it was ultimately virtual. The less Zoom we do in the future, the better. But the 
part I was going to build on is I um, quality improvement came up for me in a variety of ways, but most recently I have this great job right now. I, I chair AO North America CMF, and it's a group dedicated to improving trauma and patient outcomes. There's clinical divisions in every region, but outside of that, there's the AO Alliance. And this was founded in the last five years ago. And this group is dedicated to um, improving outcomes in facial trauma for the CMF arm and the disabilities and the quality of life difficulties that come out of untreated trauma, which is a, it's really a, an epidemic because of the quantity of cars on the roads, of motorcycles on the roads, of mopeds on the road, and, and how in low resource settings, there's kind of a conflict between the old world and the new world and the high speed cars hitting the low speed bicyclists and incredible quantities of leg fractures that come from motorcycle riders that are hit by trucks. And, um, you know, seeing two sides of this in Rwanda, um, the helmet rule is very strict and every single person has a helmet on at all times. And it's incredible. You just would never imagine that it's so incredibly well adapted. Um, other, lots of other countries I've worked in, it may be a rule, but it's not really enforced. And so there's just a lot of facial trauma that occurs in these accidents. But uh, in this AO organization, there's a, a new mentorship program called AO Access. And its goal is to uh, empower uh, mentorships with uh, diversity, equity, inclusion in the most unique way. And that's that we don't even know what is uh, diversity, equity, and access in different countries uh, that have different cultural norms. And so trying to better understand that and provide mentorships um, on a weekly basis. And the person that I was connected to was in Western India. And their practice was in orthopedic trauma. Um, and what they needed was to help create a quality improvement project to better follow their patients' outcomes that came in from rural settings. Now, like I stated, it doesn't matter what country it's in, there are areas that need um, help and that we can call rural surgery or global surgery. And um, what was exciting for me was to be able to link this mentee with some resources to create red cap databases and to um, develop a way to actually um, monitor and measure so that he could uh, make changes to the um, processes of follow-up, the processes of uh, physical therapy, and many other aspects that help what you and I would know would be standard of care after, um, after um, fracture repair. Incredibly, this is all driven by an individual who just wants to get better and wants to have better outcomes for his hospital. And there's really no other motivation. It doesn't help monetarily. It doesn't bring in more patients to pay. It's just something that's driven by a person who wants better outcomes for their patients. And so facilitating quality improvement projects through that is simply a mentor mentorship or a sponsorship um, component. And I, and I, that's so easy to advocate for people to just connect with other people and share the resources and ideas that you've been blessed to have because you grew up in a um, knowledge, wisdom, and technologically rich environment. Um, that was a little preachy, but I think uh, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, Tr Travis, do you think that people are less intimidated by that language than they are the 
research language? I do because research, <laughs> you can imagine the mind going to all of the using patients for experimentation versus let's use the patients that come in that are needing help and we can improve the outcomes that they have. So isn't that something you agree with that that language is a little more passive and a little more well accepted? A hundred percent. Yeah. That's just, as you were talking through it, I was thinking through the conversations that I've had in different places and just thinking, you know, so often we intimidate people with these big research terms, even, even things as simple as, you know, what kind of design we want to do and a prospective versus retrospective and all these kinds of things can be very intimidating. And I think if we stop sometimes and slow down and we say, look, what we're trying to do is improve outcomes and really beginning to improve your outcomes is understanding what your outcomes are. You can't improve something you haven't seen. And so we have to oftentimes just give them a pause and say, hey, we're going to support you in just measuring the simplest of things that's most important to you. What are the patient types that you see most often? How can we help you understand what those look like and, and what your outcomes are today? And then we can work on improving them together. And I, I do think that that's a, a, a welcome conversation most of the time. Yeah, that, that's such a great piece of advice that Kevin just said there. Like if you're really interested and it's in your blood to just get out in the world and contribute, go out in the world and ask the question to people that you're with. What patient issues do you see that has the biggest effect? There are families, there are outcomes. What can you tell me stories about things that have happened to people you know? I mean, it's the Geerta quote, you know, the knowing is not enough, we must apply, right? So get that information and then start measuring, having them collect data so that then you can figure out how it all goes back to a patient problem. And of course, that's, you know, like I have a very close friend and, and colleague, really a superstar in global surgery who works in Nigeria, in Northeast Nigeria, in, in a NOMA project where he spends, a, I think it's a month, a year working with Doctors Without Borders. They have such a strong multi-platform approach to this. They first have addressed with the national government and with ministries of health patterns of improvement for causative issues, you know, nutrition and, and general health care and, and things that contribute to NOMA. Then they set up these quote-unquote camps that help to repair these disfigurements of these kids' faces. This is oral cankerous where you'll just see a child's face and even adults necrose and eat away and all the way through down through to the bone. It's incredibly disfiguring. And the surgery itself is reconstructive and it can be very effective at helping restore the, you know, the face. But what it all comes back around to is that addressing Noma is not just about a suture, an anesthetic and a knife. It's about a big picture. And this is true in almost everything we do in global surgery, commitment to being frustrated with geopolitical issues, financial issues within countries, changes in leadership within a country, a minister of health that's very supportive of a project gets ousted with a new elected official, a new minister of health comes in, he has a whole, and he or she has a whole new set of priorities. All of these things are frustrations that try to, you know, 
set you up to erupt. And the only thing you can do wrong is to take it personally and to expect that if you were to take the advice that, you know, Kevin just gave, find a patient problem, identify a way you can help, try to create a simple outcome that you can measure and work hard to understand all of the things that go into why that patient problem is so complex. And then create simple improvements uh, that can have improvements in these patients' lives. And sometimes you don't measure quantitatively, you measure qualitatively by doing door-to-door discussions and and video uh, and audio collections of stories about the improvements that that your efforts had. And of course, we all have grant funding issues and we want to collect data so we can make sure we can continue to do this work. But either way, I think that was really great advice. And I expounded upon it for, you know, three more minutes about it because I thought it was such good advice. Uh, Can you build on that at all, Kevin, on how quality improvement could maybe be a a bridge for someone very interested in global surgery? Yeah, I think you know, for me as a non-surgeon, it's been a big entry point. I've always wanted to contribute to the efforts that are that are going on globally and finding ways to do that with my training and my perspective has been really rewarding and being able to say, I'm bringing something that's a little bit different to the table and a perspective that's a little bit different to the table, sometimes a different skill set, not all the time, but sometimes. And I think it really has, it's given me an opportunity to serve and participate in the hard work that's being done around the world uh, that has been hugely rewarding. And definitely it gives me the opportunity to participate in a way I, I may not have originally anticipated when I joined the department 16 years ago, but it was, it was the desire to get involved in some way that would allow me to contribute that drove me to having those types of conversations. And I think my perspective is just one that says a lot of us have and see problems, but a lot of us also have and see solutions. And I think we can't underestimate how often those solutions will come from people who know the problem best. And those are the people that have lived with it closely or, or see it every day. And, and sometimes it's just a matter of helping them articulate that solution in, in a way that can be ultimately implemented and measured. And, and oftentimes it's just sitting down and listening and saying, tell me about, tell, tell me about these patients and tell me, you know, why is it that, that we even need to be here? What, what can we do that can be helpful? Uh, what resources do you need? What, what products do you need? What types of things? And and Noma is a is an exceptional example of ways that lives can be completely transformed, where people can become you can kind of return to being participants in society in a way that they were not able to before because of their disfigurement. Um, and I think that's that's the beauty of surgical intervention in that case is that you can really restore someone's life in in an extremely meaningful way Uh, and i'm sure that's why you've chosen surgery but but it's also from a public health perspective super important when we began to consider okay what is a meaningful contribution from a person who can now return to work mean for the rest of that family for the rest of that community 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you both very much for the advice that you've given in this talk and all these important points, especially with research and improving our care in global medicine. And so we appreciate both of your perspectives on this. Yes, thank you so much for being here and talking about this important topic. We appreciate your experiences and the expertise that you've shared. For our listeners, we're going to share a list of the papers and resources that you both mentioned in this episode just for further exploration. So thank you and we'll see you next time. This podcast series was created by Cynthia Choya and Josh Wiedemann. We'd like to thank our guests today, as well as the editing, writing, and production teams for making this episode possible. Look in the description of this episode for a link to additional resources such as a written summary of the episode and citations for references that were made to key global surgery articles. Visit headmirror.com global surgery podcast for the full list of our episodes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.